0: This is the High Stakes Blowdown, a BrotoViz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy
1: Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Jeff Howell, a nine time league winner in the FFPC main event and the Football Guys Players Championship. His career winnings in the FFPC total more than $30,000. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Howell. In this episode, we discuss a potential Darius Geist breakout, the best Tampa pass catcher draft value, what mistakes high-stakes drafters are making this season so far, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 30% discount to a RotoViz NFL pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, slash podcast.
0: Your subscription
1: gives you unlimited access to all of the RotoViz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel.
0: With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on.
1: From their online casinos to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live daily Madden NFL 20
0: simulations you can bet on. Still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, Stock Crisis, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your welcome bonus. Bet online, your online
1: wagering solution. Now, without further ado, here is $30,000 high stakes fantasy football winner, Jeff Howell. The first episode of June of the RotoViz High Stakes Lowdown, and we are pleased to bring you a longtime high stakes fantasy football player, a guy who's won multiple league championships in the uh, the Football Guys Players Championship as well as FFPC leagues as well. Guy, I'm uh, excited to talk to you again. It is Jeff Howell. Jeff, how are you doing this week, man?
2: I'm great, Balky. How are you, man? Thanks for having me.
1: Oh uh, absolutely. I am I'm good. You know, we're we're in this is truth be told we're recording this uh on June 1st, so it is the unofficial kickoff of official <laughs> drafting season, I guess is is how we we call it. The unofficial mm-hmm. official kickoff. This is exciting and I know that, that it's a little bit different for you because you've been drafting um essentially for a while. And uh, you know, you've are a lot of people are are still sort of waking up. You know, we sent out the email this week to our FFPC subscribers that we're excited to be back on with Planet Hollywood. We're excited to be having our live events out there again. We got the go ahead, which is totally cool. Um, but we've been doing um, redraft leagues since mid January. You've been drafting for a while, and and I want to talk a little bit about some of the drafts, especially the most recent ones that you have under your belt. So let's kick things off with the Football Guys Players Championship slow draft that you actually participated in, Jeff. Um Your 303 pick in that league was the newest Houston Texans running back, David Johnson. I feel like as I've talked to people in the industry, I've talked to other high-stakes players, I get the impression that people have given up on this guy ever being a potential top-five running back again. Do you feel that he's
2: coming in at a discount this year right now? He is. I think the beginning of the third round is the earliest I would take him. And so picking at the 303, I knew he wasn't coming back to me or the drafts I've been in. He's not coming back to me, you know, later in the fourth round. So if I want him, I'm going to have to take him there, you know, that early in the third round. But compared to some of the other running backs available, I think he has the best opportunity to produce RB1 numbers. I mean, Hopkins is gone and they lost about 150 vacated targets, you know, including Hopkins, you know, being gone. He's a, he catches the ball. He's, um, he went from the in-house in Arizona to the outhouse and got replaced by Kenyon Drake. And so there's some (laughs) negative, you know, there's some negative kind of, you know, some negative views of him out there in the fantasy football world. But I think that gives you an opportunity for value there. And so I'm going to try to take as much David Johnson as I can get. And, um, I don't have to get him in the first round. I can get him in the third and the fourth round, so I, I can live with that.
1: And, and so for you, Jeff, there's, as far as the Duke Johnson factor, you're not, I mean, Duke Johnson is essentially, you view him as a handcuff for David Johnson, not more of a backfield split between the two Texans running backs, right?
2: Exactly. I mean, Duke Johnson has been just a guy for a long time, and I think he's still just a guy. Not a bad handcuff, if you can, I'm not going to necessarily go out and, Look for Duke Johnson, but if he's there in the 14th round, you know, I might take him um, if there's no other better value, other player there that I want. But, um, yeah, I just think he's just a guy, in my opinion, and David Johnson is going to come take that role and run with it.
1: All right, so I have not looked over all of your drafts this year. I looked over a bunch of them, and I want to talk about a guy from Washington that, you know – I don't want to say he's a polarizing figure. I just I you know, the more I look at the Redskins running backs between Geis and Peterson and, and Bryce Love and everybody they got there, I just feel like it's a lot of people are viewing it as a dart throw. But you have actually drafted Darius Geis in in more than a couple of your drafts. In this latest football guys one that I think you've just completed or it's about to be completed, you took him at the six ten. Um, How likely is it do we finally see a breakout year from Darius Geis in in 2020?
2: I I love Darius Geis this year. I think it's great value. Um, That's another situation where a lot of times you can get Geis in the seventh round or maybe even early eighth round. But at that particular position, I wasn't so sure he was coming back to me because – I was picking it in the three spot, and the guys at the one and two didn't look like they'd filled out their running back roster yet. And Geis, he's one of the last running backs in a particular tier that I've set up that I want. You know, comparing Darius his ceiling to a James White or a Matt Breida or a Tariq Cohen, you know, at the end of the sixth round or in the seventh or eighth round, I'm going to take Gary Garius Geis all day. It's interesting that he blew up against the Panthers last year for 129 yards and two touchdowns on 10 carries. And now the Panthers coach from 2019 is his coach in 2020. So... <laughs> I have a feeling that he's that um, Rivera is going to remember that, and he's going to feed Geist the ball. And I just think his competition there—you have an aging Adrian Peterson, you've got Peyton Barber and McKissick—they're just guys. You have a rookie and Gibson, who they may use in another role. But um, I think they're going to feed um, Geist the rock and try to keep that defense off the field.
1: I do want to bring up um, as long as we get your Bryce take, or excuse me, Geist take. Um, Breida, Matt Breida, a guy that you had mentioned, who's actually in, um, in a, in football guys, players championships, as you alluded to, he's actually going right now about a round behind Darius Geis. Matt Breida is a guy that I feel a lot of people are not talking about after he got traded to Miami and, and basically asked to contend with, with Jordan Howard and, and some younger players there. Um, if you already had Geis on your team and you're looking for a running back in the eighth round, is Matt Breida a good guy to go with, or do you think he's being a little bit overrated by a lot of pundits right now?
2: I think he has a big Jordan Howard problem. You know, I, I'm not <laughs> saying that Jordan Howard is, um, you know, is an RB one or anything crazy like that, but you know, Breida may be a third down back at best. There, I just, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not on the Breida bandwagon, so to speak. So. I mean, if he falls down to the ninth or 10th round, maybe there's value there and I'll take him. But I'm not going to look to take him probably in the 6th, 7th round where he's going lately.
1: Curiously, as long as we're talking about Dolphins, this is something that I've talked about for months now. Are you team Devontae Parker this year for Dolphins receivers? Or do you think the value lies in Preston Williams? Which, And and I'll tell you this right now, as far as Football Guys Players Championship um, ADP goes, uh, over the last week, as um, as this is early June now, Devontae Parker going off at the uh, 602. Preston Williams not going until the 1112. As the 51st receiver on average going off the board. You like Parker or Williams better at those
2: prices? I'm still taking Parker there because even though Parker's going in the six, it's normally middle to late six, and so he's competing against um, AJ Green. Jarvis Landry, Tyler Boyd, you know, I like Parker over all of those guys. And so, you know, if Parker were like in the third or fourth round, then obviously Preston Williams is going to give you the value. But Parker's just got too much talent, and he finally showed out last year. And Preston Williams has a bit of an injury concern. I'm going to take um, Devontae Parker, even though it's the sixth round there.
1: All right, so let's get back to running backs here, and I want to specifically talk about this, uh, the latest football guys drafts you did. 810, uh, you were on the clock, you took Marlon Mack. Um, and, and this leads into a, more of a philosophical question of, you know, the truncated or quote unquote weird off season we're going to have here for the NFL and how it's going to affect rookies. Jonathan Taylor, obviously, a lot of people really love. They're drafting him fairly high, but Marlon Mack at the 810, does this shortened off season make Marlon Mack the right Colts running back to take based strictly on value?
2: So I don't necessarily buy into the shortened season rookie running backs or wide receivers or you know, are not gonna be able to ball out because the shortened, you know, the lack of the mini training camps or the rookie training camps. Um I just think in this particular situation, I, I take each situation, each team on its own merits. And this particular situation, you have Marlon Mack in a contract here. Um the coach has already said it's a one A, one B situation. And I think if I can get the one, the one B, if you want to call him that, in the late eighth round, the ninth round, and sometimes we even see him going the tenth round, compared to the one A, quote unquote, Jonathan Taylor, the rookie who's going in the second round. Well, I'm going to take that late value for Marlon B- Mack every day.
1: Marlon Mack, by the way, for anybody interested, going on average. Now Jeff got him at the eight ten in this football guy's draft. Uh, on average, he's going at the eight oh five as running back thirty six. By comparison, if you want to talk about, um, you know, the 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 other part of that backfield, Jonathan Taylor, the rookie out of Wisconsin, running back eighteen on average at the three ten. So that's five rounds of difference um, between Taylor and Mack. And I guess you know, Jeff, this kind of goes into a um uh, a deeper fantasy football conversation with when when you're talking about draft capital differing that much sometimes even if you believe that you know the early guy Taylor in this case is the guy to own sometimes you got to let him go and then grab the the later guy strictly based on value and sometimes that's the way that I don't want to say you necessarily win these leagues but how you are highly competitive and find value late in such
2: high High, highly competitive, high stakes leagues, right? Oh, the margin of error is very slim in these leagues. You know, in your in your in a home in a home draft, you can probably get away with with Jonathan Taylor, and the Zachary the third and not worry about it. But in these leagues, you've got to, you've got to squeeze value wherever you can, and and this Indianapolis Colt running back situation is a prime example of that.
1: All right, let's shift over to uh, wide receivers, still staying in the AFC. Um, the, the Jets used a, an early-round pick on Denzel Mims out of Baylor this year, a guy who actually tumbled down draft boards from uh, what, what draft mix thought he would do. Uh, but they also signed Rashad Perriman, the Jets did in the offseason, the free agent wide receiver. So who do you want on your fantasy team catching passes from Sam Darnold? Is it Denzel Mims? Or is it Brashad Perriman? And, and, and just to, to bring the listeners in as, as far as value goes, Denzel Mims, wide receiver 68 at the end of the 16th round in, uh, in our Midstakes championship at the FFPC, the football guys where you're going to win, uh, $500,000 if you win the whole thing. That's where Mims is going. Brashad Perriman is going on average at the 1406 as wide receiver 62. So whoever you believe in, it, you know, you are getting a wide receiver one or or a lead wide receiver on an NFL team as late as the fourteenth round. which guy are you betting on this year? Uh, Jeff, is it Perriman or is it
2: is it uh, Denzel limbs? you know in a, in a best ball draft, you take both, right? It's the perfect stack for a best ball draft. but um in, in the in the football guys, you know FTC leagues and the main event where you know you've got to set the lineup. I'm going to lean towards Mims here. I mean, he's he's a stud. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he's a true X receiver, 6'3", he can fly, he can jump. Um, he's just one of those guys kind of like, um, you know, a DK Metcalf um, where he could break out. And so if you want him, you know, if you get him in the 14th, 13th round, you know, he's the guy I want. We've seen what Perryman is, and he certainly had a great, Into his season in Tampa Bay, you know he balled out last year. Um, He's not really not necessarily a wrong choice here. I think it's just a personal preference, and I'm gonna lean towards Mims in in this scenario.
1: You know the thing is, it's like, and and you can comment on this too, Jeff. Is is um I I feel like you have to lean towards upside that late in the draft. and, And upside's a bad word. Um, lean towards ceiling, league winner. And we know that Perriman has come on the last two years in the NFL uh, to, to really help fantasy owners out. But the first half of the season, non existent. Denzel Mims, we don't know. He is the quintessential mystery box. He could be a guy that falls out all season, he could be a massive miss. But either way, um, the, these guys are costing you no worse than a 14th round pick on average. And I think at this point, and, and this philosophy differs in the early part of the draft. But at this point in the draft, Jeff, don't you lean towards the mystery box, the unknown, the guy that he he could be Odell Beckham or he could be, you know, rookie year Rashad Perriman? Wouldn't you lean towards that type of variance this late in the, at that point in the football guy's
2: draft? I do. I mean, that's how you win the whole thing, right? I mean, it's, you know, Perriman can maybe help you win your league to some extent. If you're looking to win the 500,000, you know, the big prize. You know, I think you go with a, a Denville Mims type there that late in the draft.
1: All right. So let's, I want, to, let's shift leagues here. Well, still stick with the Football Guys Players Championship. But in another draft that you actually completed uh, live this past weekend, um, you had drafted Hunter Henry after waiting on tight ends. You got Hunter Henry at the 710 as your top tight end. I want to just kind of, This might be a larger Chargers discussion here with Tyrod Taylor taking over for Phillip Rivers. Obviously, they paid Austin Eckler. They still have Keenan Allen. Knowing that, what type of season is Hunter Henry in for this year?
2: I think he's a great investment in the seventh round. He really is, especially if you want to build your lineup you know, and kind of wait on tight end. I think the seventh round is a great time to get someone like Hunter Henry. You know, he has the potential to be a touchdown machine. Um, I think defenses are going to key more in on Austin Eckler this year. I mean, obviously, you know, all the defensive coordinators saw what the Chargers did with Eckler last year. Um, so I think, you know, Tyrod Taylor is going to have to have another safety belt um, other than Eckler. And I think Henry's going to be that guy. I mean, he had, he's a tier two tight end with tight end one upside. Um, you know, I would normally like to pair Henry with another tier two guy with upside. You know, maybe in the eighth or ninth round, like maybe a Hayden Hurts. There, um, it didn't work out in that particular draft. I had to wait and get a tight end late. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of of, of Henry in the seventh round, definitely.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, my, my co-host and the high stakes fantasy footballer, uh, Dave Gerzak has said, uh, for the last month, essentially, he's like, you know, a thing to keep in mind is Hunter Henry's a pedigree guy. You know, this is not some six round guy that they just drafted on a win. This is a guy that they invested huge draft capital in, a guy that's going to be part of their future. Something to keep in mind when you consider who else is going around him. Uh, in drafts, too, uh, that, that sometimes you want to lean towards the pedigree, lean towards the guy that, um, that that the team has spoken about that they really like him. And not, I don't mean verbally. I mean, like, this is what they invested in him, and he's still on the team. So something to keep in mind there uh, as far as Hunter Henry goes. Okay, let's keep talking about tight ends because this is a an FFPC podcast where you get a point and a half per catch for tight ends. Talk Tampa here. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski – Everybody likes him this year. Everybody wants to grab him early and they have been going earlier and earlier. In the, in this football guys draft at 1203, you got OJ Howard. Not necessarily a question on this specific draft, Jeff, but uh, a question in general is OJ Howard. Does he represent the best value among Tampa pass catchers right now?
2: I think he has to. I think. Gronkowski news and the whole reunion with Brady and how that's been pumped up. I mean, that's just that's just adding to Howard's value. I mean, Gronkowski's been out of football. He's been on TV and wrestling. He wasn't the picture of health when he was playing football. And Tampa Bay loves to run 12 personnel. They run it just about as much as any other team in the league. So Howard's going to be on the field. He's either going to be on the field with Gronkowski or Gronkowski's unable to play because of injury with Brady, which he's done before. Brady loves feeding the tight end. You know, I know Howard's is working out with Brady. Um, I think he's great value in the 12th, 13th round, and that's that's the exact tight end I paired with Hunter Henry when we we're talking about the last draft. You know, he he has he has league winning upside to me, and that's, that might be a bit of an oversimplification of it, but. He is someone that I would love. That's a that's perfect example of a late round flyer that could pay huge dividends.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's fine to get the right players on your team, um, and that's cool. But sometimes the right players cost the most. And, um, you know, you, we kind of alluded to this earlier um, it, when, you know, well, how do you win leagues? You know, you win leagues late in the draft and um or or in the middle parts of the draft and OJ Howard could be that type of player especially in a tight end premium league this year you know everybody's been talking about and i've got this question a lot who's this year's Darren Waller you know a guy who came out of nowhere that was being drafted late i guess main event weekend he was going a little bit higher in the 12 to 14 round range but he was huge for everybody I, jeff i don't know if you have any thoughts on this but i don't know if there is a quote-unquote, this year's Darren Waller in drafts this year. People have talked about John o Smith. People have talked about Blake Jarwin, maybe O.J. Howard. I don't know if you have a thought on, on a late-round or mid-round tight end that not necessarily will be top three, but maybe could threaten top five this year. Do you have any uh, players in mind when, when I ask you that?
2: I mean, truly, OJ Howard's my best guess at
1: that question.
2: I mean, that's a great question, especially for FPC, tied in premium drafts. But you compare who else is going around Howard, like Ebron, Jack Doyle, you know, Irv Smith, Gerald Everett. I mean, OJ Howard compared to all of them, I mean, his metrics, his talent, his opportunity, um, I, I think it's, I think he's the answer to that question for me.
1: All right, so let's move on and, and go back to uh, wide receiver here, and especially with the rookies. Now, like I said, I haven't gone through all your teams. I went through a, a decent number of them. CeeDee Lamb, I've seen on several of your teams. Uh, the rookie out of Oklahoma, the guy who is going to at least start off as the number three wide out for the Dallas Cowboys this year. What is it about this specific player that has you drafting him, I, I won't say a lot, but maybe significantly, uh, in uh, your baseball leagues of the FFPC and your
2: Football Guys Players Championship leagues, I have a huge share of C.D. Lamb this year. You know, I, I did a lot of research on him, not only for Dynasty rookie drafts and for you know Football Guys Player Championship drafts, but also because I'm personally an Eagles fan. So for the real NFL draft, I researched every receiver looking to see who'd be a great fit for the Eagles and. You know, Dallas <laughs> got us back. After our Dallas Goddard steal, they got us back by stealing C.D. Lamb. Um, but, wow, he's going to be a great fit on that team. He, um, You know, they mostly run 11 personnel. So you have the vacated targets of no Randall Cobb, no Jason Whitten. Michael Gallup had drop problems last year. Um, if they were completely comfortable with Gallup, I don't think they're – Drafting C.D. Lamb, you know, the way they did in the first round with so many needs on defense that they have. Um, He loved running out of the slot in Oklahoma. He was just a beast in the slot. And he led the draft class in yards per target, yards after the catch. I mean, he's just – he's good. There's no two ways (laughs) about it. And he's going to – talent finds the field and talent finds the ball. And that terrible defense that Dallas has, there's going to be a lot of high scoring games and he's going to be right in the thick of it, I, I, I predict.
1: All right. So Jeff, let, let's delve deep into this here. Is CD Lamb the number two receiver before the end of the 2020 season for Dallas?
2: I think he's in the number two season before October 1st.
1: That's oh, wow. Okay. So what are, what are, uh, let, let's, let's take it up a notch here. What, how, like, what percentage chance does he have of being the number one receiver by the end of the 2020 season? Is it less than 50? Less than 20? Less than 10? How do you, because Cooper's obviously awesome, but so is Lamb. So I'm just kind of curious, as a Lamb fan, how you see this working out.
2: I think it's probably a 40 percent chance he's the number one receiver. So wow. I, I still give the, the edge to Cooper, but he. I think I think next year when we're drafting the 2021 drafts, Lamb's going to be up there kind of the way that people draft Goblins and Evans this year. Um, you're going to see two Cowboys receivers in the top four rounds next year, maybe even top three.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. I, and, and too, I mean, think about you kind of alluded to it, but look at the targets that have left the Cowboys and look at who they brought in, you know, in, in C.D. Lamb. So I think there's – a lot to be said for that especially given the the big time step forward that Prescott made last year. And you know the other thing to keep in mind too it's you know and I bring this up a lot it's not exactly like Amari Cooper is an iron man. You know we've seen him um, miss games, yes, but we've seen him try to play through games too and he hasn't been that effective. Well, if he's not going to be effective and, and and who could be you know if he's going to be a decoy, where are you going to go to? Michael Gallup who's had issues with drops or you go know, with CD Lamb? Who a lot of people said was the number one overall receiver in this draft. Probably going to go Lamb's way too. So that, and we talk about league winners. Maybe Lamb's a league winner. That's something to be uh, thinking about as well. As long as we're talking about rookies here, Jeff, uh, let's talk about DeAndre Swift. Uh, is he, as you look at the Lions backfield, is he going to be the man this year over Carry Johnson in Detroit? And, and I'll tell you as far as what people have been doing in the football guys players championship over the last seven days as far as, you know, who they're drafting and and, and and in what order. Swift is going at the 508 as running back um, 27. Uh, on Johnson is going at the 901 as running back 39. And we get this uh, data from fantasymojo.com. I should uh, point that out. Uh, Darren Armani does a great job there. So I would say like a month ago, these guys are much closer together. Now you're talking about a three-round split with Swift going over Johnson.
2: Is still Swift the right play for you there for Lions running backs, Jeff? He definitely is. So that kinda of goes back to our earlier conversation where I take each rookie running back situation, you know, on its own and I don't really have a philosophy on, you know, whether, you know, to stay away from rookie running backs or, you know, because of the shortened, you know, workouts this summer. But in this particular situation, I just think Swift's talent is gonna he's gonna he's gonna be the man. He's gonna take the ball, he's gonna take the starting job. You can get him in the fifth round, you know, late, middle to late fifth round. Um, you know, he averaged, what, 7.8 yards per carry behind Chubb and Michelle as a true freshman. Then a 1,000-yard seasons in the next two seasons. Um, crazy spark score, you know. 6.6 career yards per carry in Georgia. You know, I live here in South Carolina, SEC country. I've seen a good bit of him. Um, he's the real deal. And I also watched carry on Johnson last year and my eyes didn't deceive me there. So I don't think Swift's going to have a hard time taking that job. It may not be, it may be well, well before October 1st when Swift has that job.
1: I, I should ask you this too. As long as we're talking South Carolina, I I think through not only this show but the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour as well, I've had a good number of talented, uh, both FFPC Dynasty and FFPC Redraft players, you among them, uh, on these programs before. And last year when we were talking Dynasty drafts and 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 rookies, um, I had a couple of guys come on talking, telling me, "Hey, don't miss out on Debo Samuel." Debo Samuel is going to be a great pick. Don't miss out on him. We watched him play. He's going to be great. Make sure you grab him. And I did in a few leagues, and I'm happy about it. So this year, talking to those same South Carolina guys, Jeff, the the I said, well, what about Brian Edwards? You know, tell me about Brian Edwards. Um, I understand maybe he's not as athletically gifted as Debo Samuel, but for fantasy purposes, is he a guy I should be own, owning in in dynasty drafts? And the, the prevailing thought, and this wasn't just South Carolina guys, this was like just fantasy football players in general, like, yeah, we're targeting him in dynasty leagues. What about redraft leagues? Is Brian Edwards a guy that you should be taking a late-round stab on with, with the Las Vegas Raiders uh, as, a, as wide receiver depth, or is, it, is he still a year away? How do you view
2: Edwards? I mean, you look where you can get Brian Edwards in a redraft league. It's, what, 18th round or later? You know, so he's a complete dart throw and he, his talent for that, you know, for a dart throw for a, a talent like he has and the opportunity. I mean, who's he beating out? Tyrell Williams, you know, another rookie in Henry Ruggs who we really haven't seen Henry Ruggs do much except go routes. Um, I mean, there could be a whole lot of targets there for Edwards along with his, um, his, um, you know. The Clemson, you know, Hunter Renfro there. So you got a Gamecock and a Clemson Tiger, you know, kind of competing for targets there. But um you know, Edwards is a whole lot more talented than Hunter Renfro. Um and so I'm a big fan of Edwards. I try to grab him late in every, you know, seasonal league I can and he's on a, a lot of my dynasty teams also.
1: I don't know who it was, it was it was probably a couple of weeks ago on Twitter. Um, somebody, you know, they posted a draft board, and somebody, and I don't know if they're saying this in jest or or if they were serious or not, but somebody posted, "Well, who is Brian Edwards?" You know, after they saw somebody draft him <laughs> late, and somebody else chimed in, "Brian Edwards is the leading wideout for the 2020 Las Vegas Raiders," which I thought was very, you very funny, and, it, and it's entirely. You possible.
2: Yeah, I so mean, in like the 18th it, round, you know. What other what other WR one on a team, can you get in the 18th round, you know, possibly? So yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, you're totally right. You're to- and that that Raiders offense is gonna. You know, I just think it's gonna be so interesting to watch, just in general, because we know Jacobs is good, and for whatever reason, um, it just doesn't seem like the Raiders want to throw him the ball out of the backfield, which is really preventing him from being like say like a top seven, a top eight running back in in FFPC leagues, uh, but then you look at what they did um, after, you know, they had Waller last year, essentially, but now what do they do? Well, they 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 have Edwards, they have Bowden, they drafted Ruggs, you know, this huge emphasis on, uh, on wide outs, so I don't really know what their offense is going to look like, and quite frankly, I don't know. If who the quarterback's gonna be throughout the duration of the season. You know, Carr could start there and then Mariota could take over. I don't know what's, what's gonna happen. So I think that Raiders offense is definitely one to watch. I've been watching a lot of people draft football guys, players, championship drafts, uh, or teams in, in the FPC this year. But Jeff, what do you think, as you have seen, uh, in, in several of your drafts, what do you think is, is the biggest mistake you continue to see people making in these uh, football
2: guys' drafts? Well, I guess, you know, my philosophy has always been balance. And I got that when I first started doing high stakes fancy football a few years ago. I reached out to um, Jules McLean, who's a great high stakes fancy sure. player. And she, she had a podcast, Fancy Freaking Football, I used to listen to. And um, I reached out to Jules and asked her what the key to her success was. And she said one word balance. And I've followed that, you know, that philosophy throughout my high stakes career. And so I see a lot of other teams not be so balanced. They'll go with four running backs, five running backs to start, or they'll try the zero RB with no running backs for the first five rounds. And playing against those teams during the season, you know, I just don't think it works that well. Um, or for me, my philosophy of balance, seems to me to work better for me. Um, and also when you look at the waiver wire during the year, if you go into, you know, the season with a balanced team and you really don't have one big need in any area, running back, wide receiver, tight end, et cetera, then you don't have to spend $800 of your waiver wire budget on a Bo Scarborough, right, because you have no running backs. You can literally, you know, spend the right amount of free agent dollars on, needs that come up or talent not even needs you can go after your wants with your free agent budget and not worry about running back or wide receiver or some other part of your team suffering
1: i i you know here's the thing that as far as my take on this you know i've covered the the ffpc pros versus joe's drafts over the last i don't even know how many years more than a half decade and um, and, and even the, the the redraft leagues, like the Genesis, the Revelations, the Apocalypse Leagues, where they, they simulate the Football Guys Players Championship. We always had the FPC live draft, um, usually the first uh, Friday in August, and, and we see a lot of different scenarios and strategies tried out there. So I have seen people load up on running backs early. I have seen people draft um, three tight ends to start off a draft, which I don't right. recommend. Um, and I've seen the zero RB. And one of the things that I have noticed, um, and this is not a this is not a um, hard and fast rule, but I have noticed over the years when I look back at the teams that win league championships, the teams that win the overall championships, and, and I look back on how they drafted, oftentimes it is not in ex- a drafting extreme. It is not a team that has loaded up on three running backs in their first three or four picks, or excuse me, uh, three tight ends in their first three or four picks. It is not a team that has drafted four or five running backs to start off. It has not been a team that. Um, now I've seen some pretty successful zero RB teams, not that last year necessarily, but um, but I have not seen. I, I guess I feel like that the successful teams I look back on their drafts, and there has been a lot of balance. It it's been. Um, you know, two running backs, two receivers, and a tight end in the first five rounds. Um, it's been three running backs, a tight end, and two receivers in the first six rounds. You know, it's not... And, and I think with the FF, uh, with the FFPC and the Football Guys Players Championship, you have to only start two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, but then you get those two flexes. So it obviously balances out where you don't necessarily need to be this um, unicorn. You don't need to be this outlier. You can draft a balanced team let the draft come to you, uh, draft a balanced team, navigate the regular season gauntlet, and then by the time you get to the the, the three-week championship sprint in week 14, you kind of know who your horses are, and you know who you need to, uh, to deploy in your starting lineups. And I feel like when you start off a draft so tight end heavy or so running back heavy, so wide receiver heavy, not only does it limit you in your flexibility, it limits you in... What the draft
2: dictates to you, too, right? It does. It does. And not saying that someone cannot win or win the whole thing right. by going zero RB, but there are so many variables that come into play. You know, you have to hit everything perfectly, right? You've got to get that breakout running back off the waiver wire on your team, um, and you, you you're bidding you're bidding against eleven other skilled fantasy football players for those one or two exceptional breakout running backs, which may or may not, you know, happen. Um, so it's possible, but I just think the percentages are, are much less. And so I'm going to play the percentages with a balanced team. And I haven't found my drafting balance that I give up that much value, if, if any at all. Right. But, you know, and so if I'm taking a – you know, if, if I'm a little heavy on wide receivers, and I say, OK, well, I need to go Darius Geis in the sixth round instead of Tyra Boyd. I'm not so sure I'm giving up that much there, you know, by taking the running back instead of the wide receiver or vice versa. If I'm heavy on running back and I take Tyra Boyd over Geis, I don't think I'm giving up that much. So, um yeah, so I think balance is, is definitely my key to my success.
1: Yeah, and and I'm totally with you on that. And I'll tell you this too, and and this is more of an in-season question than than off-season. But my personal opinion, you know, drafting not in the football guys or you know playing teams in the FPC or in the FFPC, but leagues like that, I, where you're going up against this this very um, uh, tough competition, I feel like, okay, so so for an example in my home league, uh, if I was playing there, where you have blind bidding. I'm pretty confident I'm going to get who I want um, right. because guys aren't going to be bidding enough or they're not going to be aggressive enough or they'll just stop caring or what have you. In in a league like the FPC or the FFPC main event, that is not the case because you will have guys battling it out, nibbling their fingernails, grinding it out as hard as they can till the very end. And you might, you know, with your $1,000 bidding budget, you might only get maybe one, two, Maybe three significant additions throughout the season. So it puts, it puts a huge emphasis on drafting the right players, um, and making sure that your opponents aren't able to get these quote unquote freebies throughout the season, where they can just pick up a guy and spend 700 bucks on a, on a Chase Edmonds, let's just say, or, or a Ryquel Armstead, or, or a guy who all they need is the opportunity. You have enough money left, you can get him, and then all of a sudden, your team looks a lot better. You, you can't necessarily count on more than one, maybe two of those guys in the Football Guys Players Championship. Has that been your
2: experience? Definitely. I mean, game theory dictates that if I see a contending team who all they need is a running back to put them over the top and there's a, you know, the say week whatever happens, week seven happens and some some running back breaks out or Kenyon Drake gets hurt, which means Chase Edmonds is now ready to take the mantle in Arizona. Even though I might not have a running back need, game theory dictates that I go get that running back and keep it off that other guy's team, right? So, And that's what happens. And so it, then I just bolster maybe the running backs on my team. But more importantly, I keep that, that league-winning running back off the team that really, really needs it. So.
1: All right. So, Jeff, we have, we have gone way over time. And I apologize for that, but I thank you for hanging out with me. And this has been fun and enlightening. I've learned a lot. One final question before I let you go this week. Um, give me a player – that has been going on average in the early rounds of football guys players championship drafts, um, and that, that you have been avoiding on purpose. And then a player in the mid rounds, in the later rounds that you have been targeting and been fairly successful in grabbing, uh, this year so far.
2: Yeah. So I'm not touching Todd Curley with a 10 foot pole. So if, if he blows up in Atlanta on those knees, then I'll just miss out on that rebound and say, Oh, well, I missed, but I'm not taking Todd Gurley anywhere near the second or the third round. Like I'm seeing him going, you know, if he, if he were in the fifth or sixth round around the Darius Geis area, sure, I would take Todd Gurley, but nowhere, nowhere near where he's going now. That's just not for me. I'm too much risk. And my sleeper is, um, I'm not even seeing this with, um, eagle colored glasses, but you can't ignore Deshaun Jackson, right? I mean, the one game he played in last year, all he did was go for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Um, You can write it off as a revenge game against the Redskins. But, hey, even if that's the case, he gets to play them twice in 2020, right? But, um, (laughs) I mean, he is like – Age does not touch Deshaun Jackson, much like Tom Cruise. I mean, he is an age defier. Um, he's, he's still got speed, and he will st- he's still going to ball. If he can stay healthy, he's going to ball. And Carson Wentz can get him the football. And um, you can get him in around the 14th, 15th round. I've seen him climbing up lately, unfortunately. But if you can get Deshaun Jackson anywhere near, you know, late late double-digit rounds – he can be a league winner in a, in a, in itself.
1: All right, so a couple of comments here I want to make on on these two picks. So let's talk about the Eagles real quick. For you, Jalen Rager, not a value. Alshon Jeffrey, you're staying away from. You're drafting an Eagles receiver. Is it Deshaun Jackson?
2: It is. It is. I mean, Rager's a he's a late round flyer too. I don't mind. I don't mind Rager, um, but I prefer Deshaun Jackson over Rager season for this season. Um, but mm, Alshon, poor Alshon. I just, I, I, you know, I kind of feel like Alchon like I do about Todd Gurley, a ten foot pole. I just, he's falling out of favor, and I mean, I would be surprised if he even is on the Eagles um, for the whole year. Um, he can't stay healthy. Um, you know, there's been some locker room stuff that's gone on with him. I'm not so sure that he's a biggest fan of Carson Wentz. Um, I just, I don't think Alshon Jeffries Jeffrey's gonna be on the Eagles for long. And if he's not on the Eagles, I don't know who else would pick him up and I don't think he's gonna score many fancy points anywhere, unfortunately.
1: And that, and that's a double whammy for you. That's Philadelphia and South Carolina, right?
2: That's right. Yeah, that's right. He's a good guy. He's a gamecock. He's um, yeah. I'm a Tar Heel. You know, my college. But I love Oh Okay. All right. Okay. But no, uh, I mean, he's a good guy, and he does things locally which are great. But um, and he was, he made an amazing catch in the first first half of our Super Bowl. I appreciate that. But um, I just can't buy <laughs> him fantasy this year.
1: <laughs> All right. So so Jeff, the last thing I want to I want to wrap this up with tonight. As far as I know, and I talked about this like a week or two ago on on the HSFF hour, um, I, to my knowledge, Todd Gurley still has not officially passed a physical uh, with Atlanta, and and this is a guy who's had a lot of knee issues, right? So right. what I'm waiting for is for you know this COVID you know that calms down, people start taking physicals, doing all this stuff, traveling, and 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 so on and so forth. And Gurley fails his physical, and then right. what happens with Atlanta? Everybody's gonna be, you know, reaching, oh, I gotta get Brian Hill, Brian Hill, Brian Hill. And then what do they do? Devontae Freeman comes back on a one year, four million dollar contract or something like that. And he's the league guy and everybody will be falling all over themselves drafting Devontae Freeman this year too. It's, it almost seems so likely to happen that it has to happen at this point.
2: So true. Freeman's a great late dart throw as well. He really is for yeah. that exact reason, you know, or you put him on Tampa, you know, which has been rumored, you know, Tampa, Atlanta, you know, um, or the um the goal line back for the Eagles. There's a lot of situations that Freeman could, could thrive. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I wish not, Gurley nothing but the best, but I just, I can't take that risk in those early rounds. That's too much risk.
1: Yeah. And the other thing with Freeman, too, is like, you know, you talk about these high, st- you know, like, well, like the football guys league where, where everybody knows what's going on. Um, there, there's no like Jimmy from accounting or, or, or Susie, your sister-in-law in this league. This is like hardcore stuff and, and you can't really get, you know, deals at the end of your draft. Freeman is the type of guy that if you draft him, like post 12 round or post 15th round or whatever, and you keep him on your roster, he's the type of guy that may not pay off. But if you can keep him on your team um, through the buys and somebody goes down and and they get desperate for, for running back help and Freeman comes on to be a, a guy who's getting 10 to 14 touches a week, you know, all of a sudden you're talking about a flex guy, maybe a, a top 25 running back that could really um, help you out, not necessarily be a league winner, but be a huge plug in the hole in your lineup, especially if you win zero RB or something like that. So Freeman, as far as a late dart throw, uh, I'm totally with you on that. A guy who is never a late dart throw, it is Jeff Howell, a guy who has won a ton of FFPC Football Guys Players Championship Leagues joining me this week on the Road his High Stakes Lowdown. Uh, listen, Jeff, I certainly appreciate you hanging out with me tonight, talking a little fantasy football. I wish you nothing but the best of luck in all of your leagues this year, and we will talk again soon, man.
2: Thanks, Eric. Yes, sir.
1: Appreciate it.